live, you'll know. And so just start. Welcome. Praise the, the Lord. Good morning, Life Church family. If you're here this morning, we'd like to welcome you and say Happy Easter. Um, I just want to uh, say God bless you. It's a beautiful day today. And uh, I just want us to take the time this morning to give, uh, give worship this morning and give praise to the Lord as we invite him into our homes, as we invite him into our lives and our, and our families' lives. So right now where we sit in our homes, can we just open our, ourselves up to worship this morning and open ourselves up to praise and invite him in so that he can fellowship with you this morning. He can fellowship with your spirit. In the name of Jesus, we just ask, Father, that you come into every home this morning, God, and that you minister this morning, Jesus, to every family, God. I pray, Lord, that your word will minister to the heart, God. Your word will minister to the to the mind, Jesus. And your word will get into our spirit this morning and speak to us, God, and live in us and live through us so that we can speak your truth, that we can walk in your light, Jesus, and that we can speak boldly when it comes to you, Father. We ask that doors of utterance be open, God, so that we can speak of you and that we can talk of you, God. I pray that your anointing fall upon every home this morning, God. I pray that your anointing fall upon every individual here this morning, God. Every soul, every mind, every child, God. I pray a working and a drawing this morning of your spirit, God. That you accomplish your will here this morning, God. As it goes forth, I pray an anointing here this morning, Father. In the name of Jesus, I pray. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Let the honor and the glory be yours, Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
wonderful to be together today in the house of the Lord virtually or with the handful less than 10 that are gathered here together this morning praise God praise God it's wonderful to feel the presence of the Lord today in our midst I pray that you feel this living God there in your living room wherever you are I know that God is ever present and it's wonderful to come together and worship him. Let me say along with Brother Martin that greeted us and led us into praise at the outset this morning. It's wonderful to be together. Life Church family, thank you for joining this morning. To our guests, friends, family in different areas, thank you for being with us today. We want to lift up the name of Jesus on this beautiful Easter morning. And we look forward to the day that we'll all come back together again as a body of Christ. I thank God that we're not separated by his spirit, 
but I'm looking forward to the day to see and be together with everyone here again. Amen. One day we'll all be together forever. And what a day that will be. Amen. I would like you to go with me in scripture this morning to the book of first Corinthians. Praise God. I, I don't know uh, that. Uh, well, I do know that this will not be your traditional Easter message. Um, I figure you probably know the traditional Easter message, uh, but we will talk about what is often referred to as a Easter message. But it's important that we not just know the message, but that we understand the application of the message. It's one thing to hear and know a thing. It's another thing to apply and do it. And so today, by the help of the Lord and by his precious word, I would that we would see and not only know the message, but see how to apply it in my life. This living word of God that can forever change my life. Amen. The book of first Corinthians, chapter number 15, first Corinthians, chapter number 15, starting there with verse number one. If you have your Bible there in your living room, I hope you'll turn with us. First Corinthians 15 and one. Apostle Paul's writing, he said, moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you. Paul's making a declaration. I declare the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received and wherein you stand. Verse two is really important. Watch what he says. By which also you are saved. He's talking about the gospel. You're saved by the gospel. And then there's a really big word. If you're saved by it, if you keep in memory what I have preached unto you, unless you believed in vain. The apostle Paul is literally saying it's possible to believe the gospel. But if I don't keep it in memory, and that word memory there is in active use and work. If I don't keep it in memory, my belief in the gospel is in vain. I don't want to believe in vain. Verse three, for I delivered unto you, and now he's going to declare the gospel. I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures. Verse four, and he was buried and that he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. I'm thankful for that. That's the gospel. We know this. The gospel is the death, the burial, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. We celebrate the resurrection today. And I love celebrating the resurrection but I can celebrate the resurrection and dismiss the gospel and not keep it in memory and go, how does the resurrection, how does the whole gospel apply to my life? How does the death, burial, and the resurrection apply to me? Did he do all of this and I don't do anything? It doesn't apply. I just go, okay, I believe it and it's good. Oh no, we'll see from the word of God. There's a way to take the gospel and apply it in my life. And this applied gospel can forever change mine and your life to where it will never be the same. I want the gospel working in my heart and in my life today. 
Turn with me back just one book from 1 Corinthians back to the book of Romans. Romans chapter number five. Romans chapter number five. And we're going to start there with verse number six. He's writing, he's describing where we have been or where maybe we are right now, some that are listening today. Verse six, for when we were yet without strength. What does he mean without strength? He's talking about being in a place without God where you and I in our own ability don't have the strength or the ability to get to God. We're without strength. I can't save myself. Paul said where we read already, we're saved by the gospel. I'm without strength. I'm without the strength to save myself. I'm without the strength to help myself. Paul said when we were without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Verse seven, for scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet peradventure or perhaps for a good man, some would even dare to die. Verse eight, but God, I'm so thankful for this verse, but God commendeth his love toward us toward you and I, God commendeth his love. What does that word commendeth mean? He showed his love. He proved his love. He exampled his love. He exhibited his love for us. How did he exhibit it? He didn't just tell us he loved us. It was an action for God commendeth, exhibited his love for you and for me. While we were yet sinners, he didn't wait till you and I had it all right. He didn't wait till everything was perfect and in order and just right in our life. And then he would love us. That's a deception of the enemy that says, well, God doesn't love you because that's a lie from the pit of hell. The word of God tells you and I, God proved his love for you and for me while we were yet sinners. He loves us in our sinful state. Now, he loves us too much to leave us there. And it's the love of God for us that said, while you're a sinner, I love you. And I'm going to do something that you don't have the strength to do. I'm going to save you. You can't save yourself. But my love for you is so real. I'm going to prove it to you that while you're a sinner, I'm willing to. Christ died for us. Not while we were perfect, not while we had everything in order, not while we were without error, while we were in a sinful state. When I was lost and undone, and even in my humanity now, when I fall short, he proves his love for me. He exhibits his love for me. And the adversary wants to try to paint some picture. Ah, you've made a mistake. You failed. God doesn't love you anymore. But the scripture declares differently. The word of God declares in truth. While I was a sinner. And if I stumble and fall and make a mistake. The cross again proves. The death of Christ proves he loves me and he loves you. God commends his love toward us. While we're sinners, he died for us. Verse nine, much more than 
being now justified by his blood. I'm not justified by my works. You're not justified by your works. I'm not justified by good deeds. I can't do enough good deeds to make up for my wrong actions. I can't do enough good deeds to fix the sin that I've done in my life, but I'm justified by his blood. We sang that song this morning. Oh, the blood of the lamb. We know in the Old Testament, we have the Passover. The Passover is what led up to Easter or Resurrection Sunday. In the Old Testament, they celebrated the Passover because the Jews were in bondage in Egypt. The nation of Israel was in bondage in Egypt. And the Lord came through Moses and spoke to the children of Israel and said, take a lamb and kill the lamb and take the blood of the lamb and put it on your doorpost. That's in the book of Exodus. You find that. Exodus chapter 12. And so he said, put the blood of the lamb on the doorpost. And at midnight, the angel of death is going to come through the land of Egypt. But if I see the blood, I'll pass over you and death won't visit your house. Egypt was a type of sin and bondage for the children of Israel. But the Lord said, where there's blood, I'll pass over and I'm going to take Israel out of bondage or out of sin. And Israel began every year thereafter to celebrate the Passover. And they took a lamb every year and killed a lamb representing the Passover. But when Jesus Christ came just before he was crucified, he got his disciples together and he said, with great desire, have I desired to eat this Passover with you? But he didn't say, let's take the lamb, which is pointing back to Egypt. He said something the disciples had never heard before. He said, take and break and bless this. He said, this bread is my body. Jesus said, my body broken for you. Jesus said, drink of this cup. It's my blood poured out for you. They'd known the blood of the Passover that they'd celebrated all their lives. But Jesus was saying, I am the Passover lamb. And we know him to be true because John the Baptist said, when Jesus came down into the Jordan, behold, the lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Verse 9, we are justified by His blood. The blood of a spotless lamb. Jesus Christ was and forever is that lamb. In the book of Revelation, it says He was the lamb slain from the beginning of the world. It was always the plan of God to wrap himself in flesh and come and be the perfect sacrifice for you and for me, the blood of the lamb. We are justified by his blood. Now watch. If we're justified by his blood now, we shall be saved from wrath through him, through the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 10, for if when we were enemies, that's when we were sinners opposed to God, and if I still live in sin, I'm still opposed to God. If when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, reconciled is brought back into right relationship. If you've ever had a broken relationship and you've longed to see it restored, this is what the death of Jesus was for. There was a relationship between the Lord God himself and mankind, his creation. And so he said, the only way I can bring a restoring of relationship is there's got to be a blood sacrifice to pay the price of sin that broke the relationship. The blood of Jesus was that. We were reconciled or brought back into right relationship to God by the death of his son. 
And so if we were reconciled by the death, much more, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Mm -hmm. Saved by the fact that he didn't stay in a tomb. Saved by the fact that he rose again. And so there's something that took place that we've got to find a way to apply to our lives so that we're saved by his life. Verse 11. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. Now go with me to the sixth chapter of the book of Romans. Romans chapter number six. We're going to start there in verse number one. This is the gospel that we read about in 1 Corinthians 15. We are saved by the gospel. If we keep in memory the death, the burial, and the resurrection. How do I die? How am I buried? How am I resurrected? You understand the scripture teaches us teaches us that you and I can go through the process of the gospel. Jesus was our example when he walked on the earth, the death, burial, and the resurrection to apply to our lives. And Paul is laying this out and we could take hours today and we won't do that. But the scripture from Genesis all the way to Revelation declares this gospel of death, burial, and resurrection, death, burial, and resurrection, not just foreshadowing the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and what he would do, but showing to you and I the way of salvation. Watch Romans chapter number six, verse number one. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Right? Some say, well, I'm saved by grace, so it doesn't matter what I do. Well, that's not true. I can continue in sin and we know where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. But I can't live in sin. If I do that, I'm not keeping the gospel in memory that saves me. Then I believed in vain. Verse 2, God forbid, Paul answers his own question. How shall we that are dead to sin, how are we dead to sin? We die with Christ. Paul said in Galatians, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who gave himself for me. We die with him. That's repentance. We talked about that last Sunday. I have to die to my own will. I have to die to my own self. I have to die to my own desires. I have to let the love of God draw me to him. And the love of God reveals my sinful state. It reveals my errors. In my life. The word of God begins to show me in my own life where I've lived contrary to him. And I have to be willing to say, God, I can't do it. I need that. I don't have the strength like we read. But your spirit, God, and he draws me in repentance. The word repentance means a change of mind or a change of direction. That's dying. I'm dying. I was going this way in my own will. I was going this way in my own direction. And it was leading me to eternal death. But when the love of God reached to me, I saw the error of my ways and God began to deal with my heart. And repentance said, I'm dead to my way. I'm not going that way any longer. I'm going towards the Lord Jesus Christ. 
His love drew me to him. This is the plan of God is that his love would draw you and I. And so that's repentance. That's the death turning from the old man, turning to Christ, dying to myself. This is the beginning of the gospel that saves us. It starts in a place of repentance, crying out to God for my sin and asking him to come to my rescue and letting the spirit of God change the way I think about my choices in my life. The scripture says, we shared it last week, the goodness of God leads men to repentance. But he didn't intend for us to stop at repentance. Start back there in verse two again. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Verse three, know ye not or don't you know that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ, watch, were baptized into his death. This is the application of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Verse four tells us how. Therefore, we are buried with him. This is the second part of the gospel. We had the death, now we're at the burial. Therefore, we are buried with him. How are we buried with Christ? We're buried with him by baptism into death. This is the plan of God for you and I. This is the waters of baptism in the saving name of Jesus Christ. When we're baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, we're baptized into his death. We're buried with him in baptism. It's not a physical burial in a grave with dirt on top of us. It's a burial in a watery grave. We find that throughout scripture. Peter talked about that. Paul talked about that. Talked about the Jews, Israel coming through the Red Sea and how them passing through and then the water coming on the Egyptians and destroying them was a type of baptism. He talked about Noah taking his family in the ark and the ark going through the water was a type of baptism that now saves us. We are buried with Christ through baptism in Jesus name. When you and I go down in the waters of baptism, the blood of Jesus is applied to our life. The blood that justifies us. I can't justify myself. You can't justify yourself. But the blood of Jesus applied to my life, applied to your life. In the waters of baptism, I'm justified in his sight now. Now the adversary will try to come and condemn. But all I have to do is say, oh no, the blood of Jesus is on my life. I know because I was buried with him in baptism. I thank God for the blood of the lamb. If you've been buried in baptism in Jesus name, then the blood has been applied to your life. And all you have to do this morning, if you've fallen into sin, is you can find an altar of repentance. Cry out to God afresh and anew in repentance and plead the blood of Jesus that's on your life. You don't need to be baptized again if you've already been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. The blood's already there. Just plead the blood and the power is in the name of Jesus and the blood that's on your life. This is the application of the gospel. We keep it in memory. It saves us. Buried with him by baptism into death. Why do we die with him and then be buried with him? Verse four still. We're buried with him by baptism into death. That, this is the reason, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead, by the glory of the Father, even so we also, you and I also should walk in newness of life. I don't walk and live like I used to. I don't go the places I used to go. I don't do the things I used to do. Addictions and things that bound me and held my life trapped. 
things that I wanted to get rid of, but I couldn't. When I come to him and his blood's applied to my life, I go through repentance and burial in the name of Jesus. He strengthens me so that I can be filled with his spirit and the power of the resurrection can work in my life and yours. And I'm no longer bound by those things. I walk in newness of life. I don't go, I'm walking in grace, but I'm still doing all the stuff I used to do. No, something happens by the power of the Spirit of God in my life. It's a new life. The scripture says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. This is the power of the death, the burial, and the resurrection. It's more than just a beautiful story. And it is a beautiful, it is one of the greatest stories ever told. But if I just know the story and I don't know the application of the story, I don't keep it in memory so it's applied to my life, then it's just a beautiful story that I believe. And according to Paul, I could believe in vain. I don't want to believe in vain. I want to apply the gospel in my life every day that I live. Verse number five. Watch this. This is beautiful to us. If, if, there's that word again, you'll see that a lot of times in the scripture. If we have been planted together in the likeness of his death. How were we planted in the likeness of his death? That's what we just read before. That's burial in the waters of baptism. If we've been planted Together in the likeness of his death. Together means with him, buried with Christ. That's what Paul's pointing back to, what he just said in verse number three. There's some that are teaching today that you don't need to be baptized. Well, the scripture is very clear. This is only one place, but it's clear. We must be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of the forgiveness of our sins. This is the application of the gospel. If we've been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of of his resurrection. I want to be in the likeness of his resurrection. I don't want to die and stay in a tomb. I want to live. This is the plan of God for you and I. Watch verse six. Knowing this, we have this knowledge when we've gone through this and applied the gospel. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him. That's the repentance that I was talking about earlier. Our old man is crucified with him. Why? That the body of sin might be destroyed. Sin that used to have control of our life. Sin that we we didn't want to do it, but we found ourselves doing it anyway. We couldn't break free from the bonds of sin. When we repent and we're buried and the blood of Jesus is on our life and we're filled with the Spirit of God. The body of sin is destroyed and doesn't have dominion over sin. This is why. That the body of sin might be destroyed. That henceforth we should not serve sin. We should not serve sin. Why? For he that is dead, verse 7, is freed from sin. We see this example in the Old Testament that we referenced earlier in Exodus when the Lord brought the children of Israel out. The children of Israel never went back into bondage in Egypt. Egypt never was able to bring them back into bondage again. The only way that could ever happen was if a child of God chose of their own will to go back to Egypt on their own. But the Lord never let Egypt have dominion over them again unless they gave up their will to Egypt and went back. He that is dead is freed 
Amen. from sin. Amen. Verse eight. <clears throat> now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Let's go to the next verse. Knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more. Death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise, verse 11, reckon you also yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. This is the plan and the desire of God for you and I. The death, the burial, and the resurrection. We can celebrate the resurrection. But if I haven't applied the death and I haven't been applied the burial, I'm only celebrating a story that I may believe, but I could be believing in vain. I need the gospel working in my life every day. Every day, I don't get good enough. I need his spirit every day. I'm justified by his blood every day. Never my own works, by his blood every day. Every day. Now go with me one last place in scripture. Second Corinthians chapter number five. Second Corinthians chapter number five. We read there in Romans, the love of God, commend, God commendeth his love toward us. He proved, he exhibited his love. I want you to watch what the scripture says here. Verse 14. For the love of Christ constraineth us because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. Now watch. What does that mean? Verse 14. The love of Christ constraineth us. Commended is to prove. He proved his love for us. He exhibited his love for us. He exampled his love for us. But here, Paul used a different word. He was, he was reaching differently here. He was communicating the gospel still, but he was communicating something differently. He says the love of Christ. Notice both times it's the love. It's the love of God that's doing this. The love of Christ constraineth us. We don't use that word too much. The word constrain means to urge or to impel. The word impel means to urge to action, to initiate someone to take an action. What is it literally saying? The scripture literally says here in verse 14, the love of Christ is urging us to action. The love of Christ is trying to get you and I to take action. The love of Christ is trying to move us from a place of being lost, move us from a place of living in sin, move us from a place of accepting mediocrity and accepting this world system. The love of Christ is trying to urge you and I to action. The love of God is not a warm and fuzzy Right? Sometimes we make it warm and fuzzy. It may make you feel warm and fuzzy, but the love of God is much more than just a warm and fuzzy feeling. The love of God is an action. How do we know this? One of the most popular verses in all the world, most known verses in all the world, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world 
that he gave. It was an action. The love of God moved him to take action. And so the action that the love of God did, we read it in Romans 5. He commended his love that while we were sinners, he died for us. That was the action of the love of God. Now the love of God, we read, constrains us. He's trying to urge you and I to take action. You ever, you ever tried to love somebody? You cared about them. Maybe your family member, but maybe maybe someone not a family member. Somebody you cared deeply about. Uh, family member or friend. You cared. You loved them. And you, you sought to love them. You reached to them. Maybe, maybe you saw them go in a direction that wasn't healthy. You saw them doing things in their life that weren't wise. And you, you knew if they continue that, it's not going to be good. The end is not going to be good. And so in your human effort, in your human compassion, you were loving them. And you were trying to help them. And you were trying to... but. They were not accepting or receiving the love you had. And, and maybe you wept over them or maybe you pleaded with them. But yet, and you did things that tried to example your love. Maybe you, maybe you bought things and gave them to try to help them. Maybe you went out of your way and took your own time and energy and effort to try to invest. You were trying to show your love for them. But it seemed like no matter what you did, they didn't respond. No matter what you did, there was, or maybe they would, Take the things you would bring them as you were. But it didn't take many times to where you realized I'm trying to help them change or I'm trying to help them in their current situation. But they're simply using my love for their own benefit. There's no reciprocating. There's no returning of love. I'm trying to love them into a right relation. I want to have a relationship with them. They're not interested in a relationship. They're just interested in what I can do for them. We've probably all experienced relationships like that if we're human. How must the Lord Jesus Christ feel? Who so loves us that he was willing to die for us while I was a sinner. And then his love constrains us, tries to urge us to action toward him but I reject him or I just try to receive of his love for how it benefits me, but I don't reciprocate. I don't let his love bring me into the relationship that he wants me to have with him. And he's simply a God of convenience rather than a God of true, deep, abiding relationship. The Lord Jesus Christ wants a strong, personal, intimate relationship with you. He doesn't want to be some figure on a shelf. God forbid. He doesn't want to be some idea in the sky that we just talk about. He wants to live and abide in my heart and yours. He wants you and I to live and abide in him. This is the plan of God. This is the love of God constraining you and I, trying to urge us to action every day of our life. Every day of our life. Verse 15. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Wherefore, henceforth, know we no man after the flesh. Yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. Verse 17. Therefore, or as a result of this, 
If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature or a new creation. You do not have to stay in the way and condition you're in if you're lost without God. You don't have to stay in bondage to sin. You don't have to stay in bondage to addiction. You don't have to stay in brokenness of mind and heart and emotion and health. The Lord Jesus Christ died so that you and I can be free from sin, from bondage, from sickness, from disease, mentally, emotionally, physically, and above all, spiritually. any man's in Christ, he's a new creature, creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. What does that mean? He reconciled us to himself. It means he took this broken relationship. It was broken in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve made a choice to do their will rather than obey the will of God. And the Lord Jesus Christ said, the only way I can heal this relationship to bring God back in right relationship, man back in right relationship with God to reconcile is to restore a relationship. The death, the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ was for this purpose to restore a relationship. God so desires the almighty God desires a relationship with you and with me. I don't know how humbling that is for you. I don't know what that does to you, but to think that God himself wants a personal relationship with me. And he understood that I could never have it because of sin. So God himself, we read in John chapter one, God himself came and wrapped himself in flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld the glory of the Father. Jesus told Philip, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. God wrapped himself in flesh, laid down his life. He told Pilate, you're not taking my life. I'm laying it down. No man can take it from me. God wrapped in the flesh and the man, Jesus Christ, gave his life for the purpose of you and I having a relationship with him that's personal and real. Amen. Thank you. But if I resist that personal relationship, I believe in vain. Amen. He wants a real relationship with you and I. He did this to reconcile you and I to himself. Verse 19, to wit or so that, God was in Christ. Notice Christ wasn't some second person. Jesus Christ was God in the flesh. God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. God was restoring you and I to himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them or not laying their sin, the charges of their sin against them. And he's committed to us the word of reconciliation. Verse 20, now then, once we've applied the gospel, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead. Paul said, we're praying for you in the stead of Christ. Be ye reconciled to God. 
Let the relationship, if the relationship between you and God is broken, let it be reconciled today. If you need to repent, turn your living room or wherever you are, turn it into a place of repentance. God, I've turned from you. I know throughout my life, there's some of you listening today, throughout your life, God has been drawing you. God has been reaching to you. He's appealed to you through different individuals. He wants a personal relationship with you. And the love of God is constraining you, inviting you into a relationship. He's trying to move you and I to a place of personal, real relationship. Come on, what you're feeling today there in your home, what you're identifying with is not some emotion of man. It's the love of God trying to urge you to action, to a relationship. And I pray today with the Apostle Paul as he was writing here, be ye reconciled to God. That thing your soul longs for isn't going to be found in anything else. It's not going to be found in wealth. It's not going to be found in possessions. It's not going to be found in more friends or relationships. Or The only relationship it can be found in is in a pure, right relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the plan of the gospel that saves us. Verse 21. For he hath made him to be sin for us. The Lord Jesus Christ was made to be sin for us who knew no sin. So that we, you and I, sinners, we might be made the righteousness of God in him. This is what happened. The perfect, infallible, loving God made the decision to wrap himself in flesh in the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ, free from sin, the spotless lamb of God, said sin has a price. The price of sin is death. But I want a relationship with you. I don't want you to die. And be forever lost. And so the only way is to somehow let there be a sacrifice for your sin. And so what I'm going to do, this was God in the flesh, the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to take your place. And I'm going to take all of your sin, all of my sin, all of your sin. God in the Lord Jesus Christ took our sin upon himself. And took his righteousness and put it on me and is willing to put it on you so that we can be reconciled, restored in relationship with Christ. The design of God for you and I is to repent, turn from our wicked way, to be buried in the waters of baptism. The only way anyone in the Bible was ever baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ For the remission or the forgiveness or the washing away, the removal of our sins. And then he will fill us with his spirit, the baptism of the gift of the Holy Ghost. That's the resurrection. That's the newness of life. Repentance is the death. The buried with him in baptism in Jesus name is the burial. And the the infilling of the gift of the Holy Ghost is the newness of life. That's the resurrection. We are called to walk with him in his resurrection. When he fills you and I with the baptism of the gift of the Holy Ghost, it's not just so we can have it. It's so we can walk with him 
in his resurrection. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Would you pray with me this morning before we go about the rest of our Easter day? I feel the love of God reaching to hearts this morning. I feel the love of God constraining some individuals today. I feel the love of God constraining individuals today, urging us to action. Come on, maybe you've lived your life casually in relationship with him. Well, the Lord's not interested in a casual relationship. He wants a deep, abiding relationship. He calls the church his bride. That's not a casual relationship. He calls the church his bride. That is a intimate, pure, deep, abiding relationship. And he's not interested in his bride having relationships all around the world with this other ideas. But he wants a pure, abiding, true relationship with him. Well, what you're identifying with today is the love of God constraining you. He's urging you and I to action this morning. An action that demands a response, not to a man, but to him alone. That says, God, I have been going the wrong direction. There's areas in my life that haven't been going where they should. But according to the word of God this morning, that's reached into my living room. That's reached into my home. I turn back to you in faith, not of my own ability, but by your strength that you give. I pray this morning for every heart, every soul that's listening, for every life that is turned to you today. Let the love of God draw us near. Let the love of God pull us close. Let the love of God envelop and wrap around us today. I pray the pure, abiding, unhindered, unconditional love of God. Let it speak to the heart. Let it speak to the life. Let it minister to the soul. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I pray not just a feeling for the morning, but I pray something that stirs deep within our spirit, the living word of God that takes residence in our heart, that will not turn back from today and just go back to normal, but that will pursue you with everything in us, that the love of God in us would so move us daily to an action in relationship with you, that the love of God in us daily would move us to action to walk with you in your resurrection that if we have not yet been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ that the love of God would move us to find a place for the waters of baptism to be buried with you in Jesus name and that according to your word each one of us would be filled with the baptism of your spirit and walk in the power of your resurrection in Jesus' name, that we not believe in vain. That we not believe in vain. But that we, according to the word, would be saved by this gospel. In Jesus' name I pray. In Jesus' name. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Lord, we love you because you first loved us. Lord, we praise you because you are God alone and beside you there is none else. Hallelujah, hallelujah. 
Hallelujah, we worship you, Jesus. We magnify you, Jesus. We give you praise and glory and thanks today. We reach to you. Let the love of God so constrain today. Let the love of God so draw today. Let the love of God so work today. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. We'll be tempted to dismiss the word. Don't give in to that. Wherever you are in your relationship, pursue him. Pursue him. Let the gospel be applied in your life. If you've not been buried in baptism in the name of Jesus, reach to us. Let us know. We'll get you connected wherever you are around the globe. We'll get you connected. You need to do this. This is the application of the gospel. You haven't been filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost according to the scripture like you read in Acts 2 and Acts 8 and Acts 10 and Acts chapter 19. You can be filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And then you and I can and should walk in the power of his resurrection. In Jesus name. God bless you. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you for worshiping and opening the word with us today. Until we come together again. May your day be blessed. We love you. In Jesus name. In Jesus.